Previously on Gigdamin Paws. It was, it was nothing but love, and it has been the entire time, and that's been a thing that felt really good. And I, I think I had said earlier, the thing that really made my made my day and continues to is when like younger Black people who are getting into comic books or seeing these stories have just told me that it's just like, you know, I love Spider-Man or like I love, you know, Batman, but this is the first time I saw me. This is the first time like I had the superpowers and I had the abilities and like and it wasn't like you know a black character who was just kind of put on a team or in the background. It's like this was me at the forefront with other people who look like my sister, my brother, my cousin were you know with me too. It's like it just felt really like you were speaking to the culture and you know, that's a, that's a difficult thing to do. It's something I'll still work on <laughs> as a writer, but, you know, feeling, feeling that kind of like love was, was really welcomed. Today on Gigdemin Powers. It was more like an internal sort of, I don't think that I can be this superhero. You know, I don't think I have what it takes to be a superhero. So it's more like a sort of internalized you know, an inadequacy then, you know, and thinking that you can't save the world because you're from the Caribbean. So it was more, it was more like that. Um, you know, thinking we're not enough, we're a small island, you know. Um, was that people telling them that they couldn't or they told themselves that they couldn't? They told themselves. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they told themselves. Because, um, you know, in the, in the novel, there is a teacher and he's, he, he is a, a teacher by profession. Um, but he tries to teach them through literature because he is a literature teacher. He tries to teach them that they are enough, that what they have, they are able enough. So it's, it was a very sort of meta moment, right? They are learning it from literature and I am reading this. <laughs> you are listening to Geekdom Empowers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness. Welcome back! My name is Guy Hasson and you are listening to Geekdom in Pals. It's been a hectic week for me. I have three kids and half the school of two of them went into lockdown because one family was tested positive for uh, COVID. Everything's fine. The kids that tested positive seem to be fine. We are not uh, sick. Turns out everything's okay, but things do get crazy and hectic sometimes. Anyway, let's get down to business. Geekdom Empowers is the podcast that highlights creators and fans in the geek world who do not often get to be highlighted. It's these people, it is us, who make up almost all of the geek world. By talking to each person, by hearing their story, Geekdom Empowers creates a huge, giant, world-sized quilt of the geeks all around the world. Each person is a story, and together we are one story, one huge Geekverse Quilt. This is what Geekdom Empowers is about. Today's guest is an amazing example of that. Today's guest is Joel Dematas, a young man who created the Caribbean Science Fiction Network podcast. A young man who created the Caribbean Science Fiction Network podcast, in which he highlights science fiction, fantasy, and folklore creators from the Caribbean. Folklore creators, I invented that word. People who write about folklore through the fantasy and science fiction. When I talk in this podcast about creators and books, animations, comics, whatever, that we don't know about, this is it. 
journal talks to various creators that quite possibly many of you never heard of before, simply because they live in the Caribbean. In our conversation, he talks about his origin story as well as the podcast. He'll go episode by episode telling us about the artists and creators he highlights. It is fascinating. Also, check out the bit about Caribbean superheroes and compare that to the episode where we talked about uh, a world where only blacks can be superheroes. Check out the difference and the similarities in how that was approached. I will say no more. Now, let's see what Greek creators have been up to in the Caribbean. Enjoy. It's unusual for you to be on this side. What is it like to be on the other side? <laughs> well, I get to I get to control the interview. you know, I get to direct it. I get to um, I get to put people on the spot. <laughs> um, when I you know I'll, I'll ask questions. I usually give my guests um, set questions, but mm-hmm. I like to surprise them. So I might I might you know just drop in something I find funny and you know just to get this spontaneous laughter or they just or that moment where they stop to think mm-hmm. so so that's what I like about asking questions so um can you give an example yeah. like one time that you really liked surprising the guest yeah so <laughs> so for episode episode nine of my podcast mm-hmm. um you I asked so the the creators were animators um and they were they, they're working on a on a animated movie and I just asked the lead character designer who is their favorite character <laughs> um and you know they 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 you know it's I know it was I know it's a difficult thing to answer because you you like all of them and you you know it's a process of creating all of them and So we had that moment where we just really laughed um, and you know it, they, they found it so difficult to answer um, and I, I specifically did not write that in to the to the pre-set list because I wanted um, I wanted precisely that you know that moment where the court of God um, it's, so you, it's something so, that happened yeah, yeah. So you, knew, you knew you would ask it but you didn't put it in the question yeah that's right yeah yeah I knew I would ask it yeah yeah well, I, I I'm the I also like to surprise but I don't like I don't my thing is not surprising as you see I didn't send you any questions yeah I, yeah. I ask you about you and when I find something yeah uh, I ask about it that's uh, yeah that's my thing and I try very very hard to go for uh, authentic uh, moments to find yeah you know the person behind the person so behind you know the facade I think there was one time I couldn't do it with a guest yeah <laughs> facade in yeah. but um yeah so let's let's start in the beginning what is your origin story <laughs> my origin story um i've i've always been interested in science fiction um i'm from the caribbean i'm from trinidad and tobago i don't know um how many of your listeners would know where trinidad and tobago is but it's the southernmost island just off the coast of venezuela Um, so we're twi- so we're, a, we're a twin island so we're Trinidad and Tobago um, but it's one country right one nation um, so we're just off the coast of Venezuela um, and we're the with the f- how many people in the country uh, 1.4 million mm. yeah yes yeah, so we're a small we're a small country um, so we're the fa- we're the last island um, in the Caribbean 
Um, so, you know, coming from coming from that sort of geographical uh, space, um, bringing that together with science fiction, I just thought it was natural to investigate um, and to just be interested in um, figuring out what Caribbean sci-fi looks like. Um, it's it's pretty new, although I should say relatively new. It's relatively new, um, given what has come before it. Um, wait, wait, and- wait, 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 hold on. You, you jumped <laughs> way ahead. Like, I'm still <laughs> stuck in your childhood. Like, what kind of uh, science fiction was there available when you were a kid? Yeah. So, what kind of science fiction? Sorry, I, I think I... Yeah. I what yeah. kind of science fiction was available when you were yeah. a kid? Yeah, so I would say, um, what's kind of science fiction? I would say things like, I mean, can I call Jurassic Park science fiction? Sure. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely Star Trek, Star Wars. Although at that point, I was, I couldn't, I couldn't appreciate it. I couldn't understand it, but I grew up with it, you know? Um, so that was what I saw on TV. That's what I grew up with on TV. In terms of, in terms of the fiction and what I would read, um, H.G. Wells, of course, um, thinking of other, other, other um, writers, just, just knowing of them, Asimov, um, uh, Thomas Pinchon, and these, these sort of, these sort of um, mainstream, what you might call mainstream science fiction writers. Um, so that is where, that's where I sort of was introduced to, to world science fiction. Um, and, and, and did you read fantasy as well? Yeah, yeah, fantasy as well. Um, though I would say a little less. Um, you know, it's a kind of, uh, it's a kind of, I, in terms of the fantasy I grew up, I would say, although this was a bit later and, and at, that, at, that, at this point, um, I was much more aware of it. So, for example, <laughs> um, things like Harry Potter. <laughs> um, those kind of fantasy, you know, that's what yeah. I sort of, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's what I would say. Yes, that for me, that is what I sort of. That's how I came to science fiction. That's how I came to fantasy. Um, and and then, did you did you think like uh, that you wanted to create that, or that you would be a fan? Did you know any fans? Uh, yeah, the small country. Um, I actually. No, I didn't know it, it. the The fan base wasn't that big at home. Um, you just kind of have these casual conversations, and yeah, you know, um, yeah, I like that too. I like I, I like Picard. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like a clique or a fa- a really strong fan base that you would say, you know, let's go to Comic Con or something. There isn't really much of that. Um, it's more like everyday sort of conversations and even then certain people would know about it um but that was sort of what it was like for me um growing up just re- watching most of it um reading some of it um and then just connecting with people like virtually um so so like i'm a couple um I, very early on i was a, i was in a couple groups um on facebook for example um, some Star Trek groups, etc. So um, th- 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 those are w- those are where I found the the groups really the fan the strong fan base. And where were those people from? Yeah, oh, they're from all over, all over the world. All over the world, yeah, yeah, all over the world. 
Um, so yeah, so they like post memes and you know, I would get it. I'd show some of it to my friends, but they wouldn't usually get it because you know, it's just like uh, it's you know, it's you need to you need to know Star Trek to understand some of the some of the things. Um, for oh, example, yeah, for example, yeah, so for example, I mean, we haven't even talked about Thunderbirds. Um, so that was also like I remember there was one particular meme um that came out after the there was this there was a cargo ship that was stuck um uh, it happened recently um but anyway one of the memes they had like one of the thunderbirds um things flying out and it was like fab um so i showed my friend it and they were like they don't really understand it but that was what the people in thunderbirds said when they said fab there's like they were sending out help um, so you know th- those kind of things I would I would sort of um, I sort of see online and that would sort of hold on hold on hold on. are we talking about Thunderbirds the, the show the puppets and the the spaceship and Thunderbirds are go that thing yeah you had that that's amazing <laughs> that's my childhood yeah it's, it's, and I saw it again uh, like when my like 10 12 15 years ago yeah yeah it's genius. It's, it's absolute genius. There's a thing, everything messes with, you know, you know, small planes and, and yeah. spaceships and submarines. Yeah. And it's ideal for kids who like to play with that kind of thing. And that thing has an extra, you know, an, a retracting arm and that thing can pull. It's, it's absolute genius. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the, this, the, the, the detail, I mean, it, right today it looks like, Today it looks like like almost like really you know amateur. I would want to say like we we watch that on you TV. Can, you can see the string and you can you know the puppets. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it really cheesy sort of things, but I mean the detail, the stop motion, the puppets, the the way the eyes would blink. I mean those things are those things are still fascinating to me. I still I still watch it and, I, and I'm I mean I'm still watching. Um, the, the 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 animatronics um, in the or, original trilogy, for, uh, Star Wars trilogy, and I'm still amazed by by what they've been able to do. I'm watching the Mandalorian today, um, and you know there's CGI, and it, it just doesn't compare. You know CGI is cool, CGI is cool, but what George Lucas was able to do with what he what he had available to him was just amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I mean, I think the thing about if you watch like the original episode four of Star Wars without all the stuff that George Lucas added later, you can see that like in every screen, like when Luke is in the desert and Luke is, there's one thing that's alien. Today, you put yeah. 10, 20, 50 things that are alien because yeah. you have CGI or you have a big yeah. budget. But he put one thing, and one thing was enough. Yeah. That made it alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, you, yeah. You look at Yoda in the original trilogy. You look at Yoda CGI in the second, the 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 prequel. I mean, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So, so was there a feeling that you know you the most of the science fiction in the world is done outside your country? Like most of it, most of the things we're aware of happen in the United States or Thunderbirds is British. Uh, you know, most of the literature comes from there, like the famous uh, literature. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your feeling about, like, or, or the feeling of people around you about that kind of, uh, the fact that it's all foreign? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we grew up with, right? Um, in terms of, I mean, I never really, I never really felt like it was, the, the thing with science fiction was, because it was, because it wasn't, for, for example, let's just talk about, let's go back to Star Wars or even Star Trek, because it wasn't, for the most part, set on Earth, I, there was this sort of distance between it, so I didn't feel like I was, um, what, what do I, what do I, what do I want to say? I feel like even, I, I didn't feel like I was, like I was not being represented in a sense, you know, because, you know, we, you had, you had Klingons on the star, starship, you had, um, you had an android, you had data, um, you had humans, you had all these strange creatures. So I didn't, I never felt looking at these, these mainstream sci-fi that, there wasn't a place for someone like me, someone of color, for example, um, someone from, from the Caribbean. So I didn't really feel like that. Um, in terms of the fiction though, I definitely felt that there was something missing. Um, and you know, at one point I stopped reading science fiction from, from HG Wells, et cetera, because it just, at that point, you know, it became, I wasn't really satisfied. You know, um, and then there was a point where I stopped reading uh, sci-fi altogether. I mean, I still watched sci-fi on the TV because I mean, it's, you know, it's entertainment. But to actually read sci-fi, I stopped at one point because of time, and you know, I'm a student, so all, all of that gets in the way. Um, but yeah, the, I, I guess the podcast really just attempted to fill that to fill that gap. And, and also, we have a lot of writers doing stuff now, so, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So. Yeah, tell me, now tell me, have you, before you did the podcast, have you noticed that there are more writers or creators or animators in the Caribbean doing stuff? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, so, um, I mean, when I was an undergrad, I, you know, I was introduced to a couple novels, but it wasn't like, it was like hard sci-fi in the sense of um, these different planets. Although in one particular novel, there is, it's called. There are two. Diff- they are described as two planets, um, but with very with a, with a very sort of Caribbean grounding. Um, so I was introduced to that very early on, um, and by early on, I mean like like twenty eleven. <laughs> Um, the novel was published in 2001, mm. um, so, um, so it's still relatively new, but one of the things that I came to realize was, was that as a genre, science fiction didn't, didn't take shape in the Caribbean the same way as it took shape in the US, uh, in the UK. Um, so like folklore, for example, which mm-hmm. for me, is one of the one of the sort of the primogenitors of Caribbean science fiction um, that has existed for a very very long time. Um, so so you know and, and growing up you're very familiar with Anansi. Um, you're very familiar with these figures, these trickster figures um, who can do things associated with people in sci-fi. They can shape shift, right? They can take different forms. 
um they they can they they just they um they can deceive you but it's very much grounded in um what is what is possible and what is human as well um so so that is you know that's what i noticed very early on um much long before i decided on a podcast um and then of course more recently you have writers who are caribbean writers who are doing much more traditional sci-fi um so that is what, also what does that I, mean what does that mean more traditional i guess more traditional would be very very direct references to outer space you know very direct references to um very direct tendencies to rename or name or create certain alien races that are actually referred to as alien and they're not existing on earth or something um uh references to spaceships um references to time of course you know things set things being said very fine to the future um so that is what i see um happening more recently um in caribbean sci-fi much more much more direct references much more direct settings um that you would that you would sort of associate with more traditional sci-fi yet with with characters who who actually who who speak um like they're from the caribbean and and so that is also that's also good to see and how is it that there was a, a spike in uh, creators from the caribbean like was there a magazine because i know in israel also you know we got all our science fiction from the us and the uk just like you and it was a small country but when suddenly there was a, mag- a paying magazine that yeah allowed new writers to to come in suddenly you know writers had a reason to write uh yeah got paid a little but you know they did it yeah. uh, so there was a magazine suddenly there were more books like i was one of the first books uh and um before the mobooks and and uh so so there was the internet helped uh in our case helped discover you know people discovered fans discovered more fans and then there was an ability to write to them to find writers among them uh is yeah. that what happened on uh, your side um i i i would I, i don't think so um it seemed to be much more much more independent um in terms of that production i i know there have been some overt attempts to sort to um to sort of uh encourage that 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 sort of genre um so that sort of came into so we have this thing called the bookers lit fest which is an annual literary festival um and out of a pre a prior edition to that um there was a uh, uh an anthology um the name eludes me right now but i know it was 3rs i think it was one was return and renew and something else another r um but so that that's what came into mind as you as you were speaking about the um, the the magazine where a couple well established um caribbean writers um uh set out to uh collate a specific magazine well a specific book an online book that can that has that embodies a sort of speculative slash sci-fi caribbean sci-fi tradition um so that that is what comes to mind immediately but for the most part 
Um, these are writers who are independently um, turning towards this genre. And, and, and I'm seeing it more and more, um, not just because of the podcast and because I'm now sensitive to how these how writers are framing these things, but um, the, the, I, I feel that more and more writers are turning to it because um, certain issues, for example, the future of the environment, um, that, that is now very much in the global conversation. I feel that um, writers in the Caribbean, they're turning towards that genre um, to sort of see what they can identify and see how they can encourage um, maybe greater awareness then. Um, but for yeah, for the most part, it's independently produced in that way. Um, is, there, is there also political uh, science fiction fantasy? Yeah. Um, political? Yeah, I think I, yeah, definitely for some writers. So for example, I also had a writer from Jamaica who was very much um, writing towards that, um, sort of capturing that politics, that political framework. Um, and, you know, she said one thing very, very interesting, you know, for politicians in sci-fi, they're, they're not always painted in a very glamorous light. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, I, I said, you know, that, that, is, that, that, that is interesting. I mean, I, and I guess Star Wars was definitely ahead of its time, too, when you think about the tensions with the Empire. <laughs> um, but definitely, um, definitely politics comes up a lot Um I mean, politics. Politics for me is is in everything. You know, it's in everything. Um, and I think writers as well are very much um, aware of that. Mm. Uh, one last question be- before we uh, ask you about the podcast, because yeah, I had uh, a guest, uh, Cristina Jorado, who who um, who basically explores uh, science fiction in abroad in Africa, in Arab countries, and. Uh, in uh, Europe and all kinds of things. And she noticed uh, that there's a trend to dystopias or utopias depending on how much hope people have. Uh, That's one of the things she said in the last episode. Are there more utopias or dystopias? More happy endings or sad endings? uh, uh, Or happy worlds or sad worlds in in Caribbean science fiction now? Just based on what I've what I've or how I've interviewed persons so far, it seems it tends slightly more towards dystopia. Um, okay. Yeah, I, you know because and I think because of the difference, the different themes that writers are taking up, particularly for the Caribbean. I mean, you look at you just look at the the acronym "small developing island states" um, and how vulnerable we are. To, um, to the let's just choose the environment for example how vulnerable we are to the to climate change and climate crises oh. a lot of writers are writing about that and it's very hard to be to write about that and have a happy ending <laughs> um, so so that is you know that is one of the major things I, I see coming up but but I would say so far it really does seem to skew a little um, slightly. In the direction of dystopia, which 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 doesn't bode well, I suppose. But um, but, but, but that actually uh, fits into what you said because you are islands, which yeah. means when the sea rises, you have a big problem. You have a big problem yeah. more than uh, I don't know, uh, uh, who, uh, India. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, India has less of a problem than you do. Uh, so when, if I'm a science fiction writer who lives under this threat that I see, I will write something that makes people feel that they are threatened. Yeah. They, there's a danger. We have to do something. So I write yeah. a dystopia. And, okay. Um, so let's get to uh, the podcast. How did you choose to have the podcast? Yeah, I, it was, I, I mean, I've never really been into podcasts. Like, I, I've, I've, I, I, I think I have, I think I have a little bit of, a, of ADHD. Um, so I, I find it very hard to, like, concentrate. Um, I get distracted very easily. But so, you read the entire books. You read H.G. Uh, Wells. That's how to do <laughs> when you have HD, ADHD. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of the podcasting, I, I've done, like, I've, I've listened to, like, a few podcasts. Um, but I never really thought I could actually produce one because I didn't think that I had the, just the, the general emotion into it. Um, but, you know, over the pandemic, well, I can't say over the pandemic because we're still in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, what I discovered, one of my discoveries um, was podcasting. And that sort of began earlier this year, 2021, um, right around, I would say, I would say probably around June, I think. Um, I just, I just had the idea. Um, I mean, the story behind how I how I decided on the podcast. It is a bit it's a bit of a sad story, um, yeah. but you know I don't want to go there. <laughs> um, but you know I just decided. I just long story short was I felt like I needed something to fill my time. Yeah. Um, well, I felt I needed something to pass the time to keep me occupied until I started until I resumed study. Um, and, you know, I put being from the Caribbean, my passion with science fiction together. Um, and that just, it just took off from there. You know, I am, I am a co-writer for an animated movie coming out um, next year called Jumbie, right? So it's an anim- not an animated movie, sorry, anim- an animated series. I'm a co-writer for it. Um, so I, I always knew I had at least one person to interview. <laughs> so, I, so I knew I would get off to, to a good start. Um, so right, talk about the series. Hold on, talk about the series. What yeah, is, so it's what is um, it about how did it come about? Yes, yeah, so it's called um, it's called Jumbie, J U M B I E, um, and that is based on a Caribbean folklore character. All right, the Jumbie is like this sort of. It's usually it's usually associated with being an evil spirit that okay. sort of haunts you. Um, but in this animation, the the directors um, and creators they are using the Jumbie as a superhero, right? It's almost like your Batman kind of type anti-hero kind of thing, right? Where people think you're an evil person, but you're actually, you're actually trying to do good things. Mm-hmm. But because they see you as evil, they, you know, they, they demonize you or whatever. So, you know, so the, the, the superhero is a, um, is a young girl, um, and she transforms, she gets cursed with the power of a zombie. So, so, you know, that's what I'm going to say, because, you know, I am a writer for it. I don't want to give away too much. Um, well, let that, me know how it's possible. Like, is it, is it, a, is, it um, is it a local production? 
Yeah, yeah, it's a local production. Yeah, so the the trailer is gonna the first sorry the pilot episode is gonna come out in February. Um, I think it's twenty. I think it's the twenty eighth of February, twenty twenty two. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's the date. Um, I'm not. I can't remember where it will be streamed right now, but I can't follow up on that with you. Um, I feel like I should know this, but I, I do know it, but I forgot it. Okay. Um, but um, and is it in English? Is it? Uh... Yeah, yeah, in English. Yeah. And is it going to be like? Is there a way that I can see it and other listeners can see it when it's live? Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on this the platform as yet. Um, well, I, I'm not, I can't remember the platform, but it would be accessible for viewers worldwide. So when it comes up, let me know. I'm going to let people know on the podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Definitely. So how how. Listen, animation takes money and time and production. And yeah. How was how how was were the producers able to make it happen? So I think it it really it really came down to it was an it's it's independently produced and they you know they self funded a lot of it. They got mm-hmm. like help from the public. They got like Patreon support. Um, but for the most part, they had to rely on um. Th- themselves really to, to 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 get the project to where it is which has been a really incredible feat um to do it on there to do it for the most part on their own um so so that is how they were able to do it i mean they're doing it's a it's a it's a couple that um that that do the most that that do the work so um it's everard mcbean who is the creator and, um then his wife dixie ann mcbean who does the animation um and the the all the drawings etc those kinds of things um yeah, hold on, hold on. you did animation like this what kind of animation oh <laughs> sorry um it's just like like, uh, like like uh, shadow theaters oh, no no no, no. <laughs> it's like um photoshop um oh. and they do the 3d animation yeah okay. so yeah <laughs> um so yeah so they're doing it for, they're doing it within their own circle Um, they know they know a couple people um, who do like voice acting and stuff um, things like that so um yeah so that that you know it's it's what they've been what they've been able to do is really incredible given what they've had to work with um amazing yeah 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 you know, so again, coming from a small country I know how hard it is to do something that hasn't been done yet yeah yeah country. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and then, you know, I, of course, I, I, it'll be remiss of me to not mention another animation I interviewed in the podcast, um, which is coming out, which um, it's, actually, it's set in the Caribbean, but it's actually based, it's actually based around golf, which is, for me, was really interesting because, you know, even I in the Caribbean um, and golf, those things don't really go together, you know. Um, we're more associated with cricket. We know cricket. Um, mm-hmm. so, so this particular animation is called The Caddy Club, which is a couple years still to be released. Um, it's, now, it's now taking off. Um, they are looking, they, they, that, that revolves around golf, and it's just really amazing what they are, they are intending to do, just dismantling stereotypes of all kinds. Um, so so those are two animations in particular I mean there there are others that I know of but um they they need support you know um, animators like you mentioned it's the difficult um it needs funding 
Um, so there are things that that are I know of a couple others that are at, that are in even less advanced stages. Um, so let's go over your like guess, like because I want to hear about as many projects as I can, as many animations, books. Yeah, as I can. It's likely that most of my listeners haven't heard of them. So let's yeah. go. Let's see what. Tell tell me about your guess in the projects. Yes. Um, so I mentioned the first episode, um, uh, Jambi, the animation. So actually the podcast is looking at fiction and uh, animation, right? So it's even though it says fiction in the title, I'm actually looking at um, Caribbean works that, um, that revolve around anything science fiction or folklore or fantasy. Um, so my first uh, guest was Evran McBain uh, and the animated uh, series, Jambi. Um, my second guest was Trisha Chin, who produced a, a recent collection of short stories um, that looks at folklore characters, um, and you know, in this in this collection, they're doing they're doing really um, really cool things like jumping through portals into trees, etc. Um, there's also shape shifting, um, mm. really, 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 really um, interesting um, sort of. Uh, Practices, I want to say, the way that they um, change form and change shape um, from a folkloric sort of point of view. Um, there's also my third. My third episode was uh, Robert Anthony um, looking at. There's a. It, it's a book. It's a novel called Cut Guavas, or Postscript to the Civ- Civilization of the Simians. So it's actually part script of. Plant of the apes, so that's where the science fiction sort of came in. Um, but they're also the the book also looks at um, a personal history um, and using the Gova as a as a referent. Um, it was it was it was mentioned by the writer during that episode that uh, the Colombian uh, magical realist writer Gabriel Garcia Marquez um, spoke about the Gova as as an embodiment of the Caribbean, because, you know, the guava is, is tropical, right? Um, and in the novel, the writer uses that guava to sort of bring up, bring out that sort of Caribbean identity almost. And the writer puts that, so the personal history of that um, well, is... No, I, I think maybe not everyone knows what the guava is, so can you explain yeah. that? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it's this, it's a, like a round sort of fruit. It's probably no big, no bigger than this, I would say. Um, and you can, you, you, when you cut it, it's like yellow on the outside or green. And when you cut it, it's like pink on the inside. And everything is edible in it. You can eat everything about it. You can eat the skin, you can eat the seeds, every, everything. Um, it's like, it's probably one of the... Guava? Guava? Yeah, guava. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, and you know we have like guava jam, we have guava jelly, so you can do things. You can there's guava juice. It's you can do very it. tasty. Yeah, it's, yeah. It has a smell, but it's very tasty. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was like that was my third episode. Um, my fourth episode looked at a short story called The Plague Doctors um, from a Barbadian writer, um, and this one was kind of spooky. To, to interview during this time because it's called the plague doctors and we're reading that during pretty much a plague right can we call covid it's, a plague it's a, war, it's a world plague yes <laughs> yeah so 
you know, that was kind of interesting to be talking about. Um, again, just a br- just another hallmark of science fiction writers. They they all they never cease to amaze me. And you know, you you write when you write enough, you can actually based on what is happening in the present, you can you can actually seem like a fortune teller, you know, um, um, and predict the future almost. So that was that was really that was a fun that was a fun episode to have, but also kind of scary because the story which actually predates. The writing of the story predates the the introduction of the pandemic, 2019. So, but in that story, the writer talked about people in hazmat suits. Um, it was an airborne disease. You had to go into quarantine. You had to work from home. Um, there was even there was even conspiracy theories of um, of of biogenetic engineering of the virus. Um, then there was. Uh, sort of this anti-vax um, rumbling in the story. So all of these things were really kind of um, fun to talk about. And then, you know, on the one hand, it was like, wow, it's, it, it's just too much. <laughs> um, so that was, that, that, was a nice, that was a nice moment for the podcast. And it was also my first episode where I looked outside of Trinidad. So my first three episodes were writers from Trinidad because that, you know, you're now starting off and, you have to go based on um, who is accessible and, you know, you naturally reach out to people from your country. Um, but that was my first episode where I, I was, you know, I'm, I, I was in my stride, right? I was, I, was, I was feeling good about the podcast. I was extending the roots almost. Um, so that was, that was the Barbadian writer. Um, and then in episode five, I interviewed a Jamaican writer. So, I'm, you know, you can see how I'm sort of expanding the network. Um, and they wrote a trilogy. Um, uh, and I, we really just focused on the final book in the trilogy, um, Regeneration, and that looked at energy in the future um, and politics as well. That, that one really talked about, you know, how politics is framed um, in the future. Uh, what's uh, the trilogy about? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, so it's, it's gem signs. It's called gem signs, binary and regeneration so that's the that's the evolution i think it's called the evolution trilogy um it's really looking at i only read i only i've only read regeneration in depth and not the previous two um but it's really looking at this sort of alien race that they're the marginalized um they, they are the marginalized group in society but they seem to be the ones who have figured it out in terms of the society's uh, energy solutions. So in the trilogy, um, this, in, this, in the trilogy, they, they, have, to, uh, they have gone beyond um, certain sorts of uh, energy sources. So, so oil and natural gas are way, way, way gone. Um, and they've, they, they're now looking at, um, so, renewable sources of energy so there's the there's a sort of um they're looking at hydro um power uh, there's a hydro facility and even though it's not set in the caribbean um it's set in london for the most part it's still looking the issues are, are very much um relatable then such as you know this small group that has the answers i mean you're looking at you're thinking about marginalized groups and what does that mean for a very small community to have to solve 
uh, the energy an energy crisis. You know what is so that was kind of um that was that that was really um sort of that, that was nice to 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 sort of read and to talk about. It sounds original. Like, yeah, actually, yeah. everything sounds original. That's great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just. I, I just really like what writers are doing. Um, it's it's very much, even though it's not set in the Caribbean, some of them it's it's so relatable that it all that it seems it's it it's it just seems genuine in every way, you know. Um, yeah. Tell me more. Tell more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that was episode five. Um, episode six. Um, I I sort of went back to to Barbados. Um, looking at a novel called And Sometimes They Fly. And this one was really, this one sort of tied back to the first episode, which looked at superheroes, because in this novel um, that, I, that I had a chat with for episode six, the writer was also um, looking at Caribbean superheroes, but they're a bit more, they're a bit more overtly superhero type. Um, and by that, I mean, they have traditional superpowers. So like there's strength, and agility, um, one can fly. So these sort of stereotypical superpowers, but what isn't stereotypical is that they're from the Caribbean. Um, you might usually associate these, you know, you, 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 if you can name a superhero that can fly, you might immediately think of Superman. <laughs> um, so, you know, in this novel, the, the, super, the superheroes are young uh, people from the Caribbean. Um, and they are tasked with pretty much saving the world um, because post 9-11, which is set in the, set in the uh, which is in the book, 9-11 causes this cataclysm. And it's sort of like this worldwide rupture. And these young people in the Caribbean are tasked with, with you know, sort of solving those issues then that, that arise from that moment. Um, so, you know, just thinking about what it means to be a superhero from the Caribbean, um, that was really mind-blowing for me. And really, it was really well, nice to read about. What does it mean to be a superhero from the Caribbean? Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I mean, if I could, if I, it's so difficult to answer that, but what I would say is it just means to be, it, it, I would say it means to be like grounded in, in, in Caribbean identity, you know? <laughs> Just having that strong sense of place, um, having an awareness of what it, of what of history of our history. Um, I, I have a question on that. <coughs> I interviewed uh, a man who created uh, a comic book called Black, where only blacks have superpowers, and one of his premises was that even if you have superpowers, that doesn't give you the power in society. And because and it was a long, like there was, that was like a 10 minute uh, answer for that. So, but, um, but is it like you would think when the superheroes are white, they have, uh, you know, they have superpowers and they're accepted and loved and, and the police, uh, it's usually their friend, uh, even, even if someone doesn't like them, even if they're, uh, you know, hated. Um, is there something different about like in when that was created about you know superheroes from the Caribbean? 
was there a different type of attitude to the superheroes? So, so that never, it, it didn't come up in the novel, but what I would say came up was, it was more like an internal sort of, I don't think that I can be this superhero. You know, I don't think I have what it takes to be a superhero. So it's more like a sort of internalized, you know, an inadequacy then, you know, and thinking that you can't save the world because you're from the Caribbean. So it was more, it was more like that. Um, you know, thinking we're not enough, we're a small island, you know. Um, was that people telling them that they couldn't or they told themselves that they couldn't? They told themselves, oh. yeah. Yeah, they told themselves because um, you know in the in the novel there is a teacher and he's he he is a, a teacher by profession, um, but he tries to teach them through literature because he is a literature teacher. He tries to teach them that they are enough, that what they have, they are able enough. So it's it was a very sort of meta moment, right? They are learning it from literature, and I am reading this. <laughs> um, so you know that that was a really um, that was a really good reading experience. But definitely, it was more a sort of internal um, feeling that okay, because we're from the Caribbean, we cannot save the world. Um, so so yeah, so so the novel is really trying to um, bring that out. Um, and you know the people are talking. The, the, it's not it's set for the most part in Barbados, so we we get the sort of Barbadian language and the places seem familiar, etc. Um, so that was really uh, it, it. It was a fun read, and it wasn't very long as well, so that made it good too. Interesting. Yeah. More <laughs> guests. More guests. What else? Yeah, if we're we coming. Time for that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that was your episode six. Um, episode seven. Um, oh, this was really this was a nice moment for me because episode seven, I went to Puerto Rico. Um, uh, you know, Puerto Rico has a very interesting relationship to the Caribbean because geographically they're in the Caribbean, but politically they're associated with the US. So that was a really, you know, I, I felt like that was a really important moment for me in the podcast because. You know, the, we just have, I mean, the Caribbean is such a diverse place, such a diverse place. Um, you know, thinking about languages, races, um, ge geography, etc. I mean, we haven't, I mean, there's Guyana, who, which is geographically in South America, yet they are considered Caribbean. So the Caribbean is really just a, a really interesting space. Um, but anyway, so so episode seven was really good for me, um, and I really, I really, I was really looking forward to it because I got to interview someone from Puerto Rico, and this one was focused more on the folklore aspect. Um, so um, looking at Puerto Rican folklore, but also fantasy and also fairy tales, which was new to the, just new, which was a, an added thing for me to talk about because in this in the collection, um, the writer sort of curated um, famous fantasy stories, folklore, but also fairy tales that were rewritten for a Puerto Rican audience. Okay, so um, I can't, I won't even try to, um, meant to, I won't even try to name the Puerto Rican, um, the, the, the Spanish equivalent of mm -hmm. such fairy tales, such as Cinderella, but let's just say one of the fairy tales that was rewritten for the Puerto Rican audience was loosely based on Cinderella, okay? But instead of, <clears throat> in this fairy tale, 
instead of the traditional Cinderella um, finding a husband. In this Cinderella story, there is no uh, male companion. Um, there is no companion. So, you know, that was really, um, that was really um, nice to so just have a discussion around how fairy tales are rewritten, etc. Um, just to suit the Puerto Rican uh, space, as well as other other well-known other well-known folk tales in Puerto Rico. Um, one in particular, that person is called Juan Bobo, um, and that particular character, he has what we would call today a learning disability. Okay, um, but he is a trickster. So that was a really um, that was a really good conversation to have. Like thinking about someone with a learning disability, how can they be a trickster? Um, you know, you think of you think of tricksters, and almost every folklore, almost every folklore tradition has a trickster, right? You look at Anansi, for example, in West African folklore. Um, in uh, I, 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 in um, I think it's I think it's uh, Norwegian folklore. Um, they also have they also have trickster. Nordic folklore ha actually has um, it's a that's where Loki comes from from the Marvel canon. Yeah. Look, it's based on a slap on a Nordic um, uh, trickster figure. Anyway, um, so the Puerto Rican uh, collection looked at rewriting re or rewritten fairy tales, fantasy, and folklore stories um, that was very much grounded in in um, Puerto Rico. But something that was also interesting that came up was that. Um, I, th I think it was in the 19th century, um, there was an anthropologist who went to Puerto Rico and actually based on the folklore and the um, sort of geographical mapping of the island, they actually used, they actually relied a lot on the folklore to, dis to map, to physically map the island. So like in, the, in certain folklore tales, that would describe certain parts of Puerto Rico. The anthropologists relied on those particular folktales to actually sort of trace um, certain spaces in Puerto Rico. So that was really interesting to learn um, about, um, you know, how Puerto Rico almost got its shape in a sense. You know, how, how the cities were named, um, etc. So that was um, that was really a learning moment for me. Um, mm. Yeah. That was that was um, episode seven. Episode eight went to Jamaica, um, and at this moment, this this was also a special one. And I know I'm speaking as if everyone was special, but everyone, I think everyone really had something special about it. And sure. episode eight was special because it coincided with it was, and I, and you know, I would like to take credit and say I planned it this way, but it was funny I didn't. Um, Episode eight coincided with the COP um, 26 summit, the climate conference. Um, and the novel that I uh, spoke about with my guest um, was actually a climate novel. It was a climate fiction uh, piece where they were, it was set in 2084 mm -hmm. and they were looking at the, the novel is, is, is basically, um, is it, the novel is based on um, an extreme 
heat that play that plagues the fictional island. Now, to go out in the sun means you die, right? The sun is that extreme. Okay, um, so you know you can you can just see how the climate change has affected the island in 2084. But what made it so special was that it was I interviewed the writer um, during the time of the COP26 summit. So it was really um, it's really good to have that conversation. And then um, one of the speakers at the the summit was from Barbados, the Prime Minister of Barbados, and they gave a really impassioned speech based on, um, you know, just telling leaders to lead with humanity and to, you know, let it, you know, just have a change of heart and to see how um, vulnerable islands are impacted the most. They say, they say that two degrees, two degrees is, is a death sentence. If the earth were to get any warmer by at least two degrees, we would die, right? The, the consequences would be dire. Um, and, um, you know, just, Listening to that, that science, that science fact, right? They, they, that's what the that's what the science is saying. And then to read in in science fiction that, you know, there's this island that to step out in the sunlight you would die. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it just it, it was really really um that was really interesting to have that conversation. And you know, I was really what also made it special was I, I really flexed my uh, my editing skills. Um and I sort of incorporated um, a voiceover of the Prime Minister of Barbados I just mentioned, giving that speech. Um, and I, I used that as the introduction to episode eight. So I was really proud of that. That was a really proud moment for me <laughs> um, in terms of just, just playing around with editing. Um, and, split, and just, that, that is cool. For yeah. a split second, I thought, I thought you would say that the, the, the Prime Minister would uh, would talk about the book in his speech. Oh, oh no, no, no. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That gave me a flashback to, yeah. I don't know if you were there, in the 90s, there was a show called Murphy Brown. Okay. About a reporter. It was a comedy, an American comedy. And it was when, uh, was it? Yeah, when uh, the first Bush was president. So it was like 92, uh, 93. And <laughs> she had... Like it was a very popular show, and then she got uh, pregnant and uh, and kept the baby, and then you know the season ended, and there was supposed to be a next season. But then Vice President Dan Quayle talked about Murphy Brown and her decision in like in a press, uh, um, what's it called, uh, with the press, and yeah. that was you know she's she's not a real person. She's like, she's in the show. And then they yeah. put his speech in, because uh, he was uh, he was critical towards her. Uh, and so she responded to him because she walks in the news in the first episode of the first season. And he, they put his yeah. speech, her spe- his speech there, and then, uh, they answered, and that was, uh, that was crazy. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean... I, I guess because the novel is so, I mean, it was, it was only published last year. Um, but wouldn't that be something if the Prime Minister, I guess Prime Ministers are busy, right? I think that I guess they're busy um, people. So, but that would have been really nice to, um, to have that, to, to have them talk about it. But yeah, that was, um that was just, that was, that was a really good moment for me. And, you know, I just felt that um, that was one of my, in, just technically, 
um, putting the putting the episode together, that was that was probably the one that I'm most um, proud of because I really mm-hmm. felt that um, you know, I, I hit I hit certain chords with it, and just just letting the story speak for itself, you know, that yeah. alone carried it. That alone carried the episode. Um, so that mm-hmm. was episode eight. Um, um, in episode nine, episode nine was also special, <laughs> but it was special because that was the first time I interviewed two people, right? Um, usually for, for the previous eight, I just interviewed one person because they're writers. Um, although for the first episode, I did mention that there are two people, um, the couple that works on the animation, but I only actually spoke to one person. Um, for episode nine, I actually spoke to two people, the creator of the series, and sorry, the creator of the movie and the lead character designer, um, one from Trinidad, where I'm from, and one from Jamaica. Um, so it was really, it was really nice to have that sort of that that sort of triangulated conversation. Um, and it was also very, it, it also seemed a very natural conversation. I like that one because um, it was, it was, it seemed, it seemed very natural. It seemed spontaneous. Um, we joked, um, and you know that was one I mentioned at the start. You know, I had that. I I I caught them off guard by asking them which is their favorite character. Um, so that was that was nice um, to have. And they're just just they're just you know it's nice to just help give people this platform to 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 promote their work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I think that's 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 always good, and they're always appreciative of it. So and that that makes me happy. Um, that I'm that I can provide this platform. So, um, so yeah. So in episode nine, we, it was the Caddy Club, which is the animated mo- animated movie. It's still in production, so it's gonna be a couple years still. Um, but it's so much to look forward to because, not not in the least because animation in the Caribbean, it's it's not very, it's not a it's not a huge um, industry. Um, although we do have the Trinidad and Tobago Film Festival. Um, so, you know, the animation in itself is something to look forward to, but in the animation itself, um, they're looking at golf and these Caribbean children who become superheroes as well. Um, you know, they, they're, they're part of a golf club and they go into this portal and they meet with ancestors and they become superheroes. Um, but this is where it gets really interesting. They're given superpowers um, that are f- that are far from the traditional, such as they're given gifts. They're, it's called gifts. So they're given gifts of um, I think they're it's called courage, um, wisdom. One is given the ability to um, the, one is given the ability to move fast or slow in divine timing. Um, and then there are a couple other gifts I can't re- recall right now, but they're far from the um, overt demonstrations of power, you know, um, flying, strength, etc. Um, so it's really that's really interesting to, and something I want to I'm looking forward to just seeing how these particular um, superpowers are played out. It's so it, it just it's just refreshing, you know, to see different manifestations of power. We're so used to seeing certain types of power and certain um, people look a certain way, wield those types of power. So that's really, um, I'm looking forward to that, to that, uh, that movie. Um, so that, yeah, so that was episode nine. And then 
the um my the season finale episode 10 which wrapped up a couple of weeks ago um i cheated a bit because i was looking at poems <laughs> um like i said i know it's fiction the science fiction network but i looked at i i was really interested in this writer this um who also writes fiction but um this particular one uh, work published uh, earlier this year um was a collection of poems and what made it sort of science fiction was they they were rewriting uh uh hp lovecraft's um cthulhu mm -hmm. um uh mythos in a way so you know lovecraft brilliant writer but also a racist <laughs> um so you know thinking about how a writer from the caribbean um writing about blackness using a lovecraftian creature to channel that idea of blackness um that that was um that was just that was just um brilliant to see play out in poetry um it, it takes me a while to to get into poetry because I'm not it it's just it's just very at times it gets very um very cerebral you know you have to really think about it um but that was um that was nice that was a nice switch up for the for the podcast that's interesting yeah. I never actually read Lovecraft yeah I've yeah about him but I've never I've never read that. yeah, so, um, yeah. I, I just wonder how was he racist like what what was he talking about. Um, so I, I, I guess, I mean, I haven't read that much either, but in terms of like the representations of uh, Black people, for example, um, there's also, I believe there, there, there has been a new series um, based on Lovecraft. Oh, Lovecraft, um, it's amazingly written. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm on uh, episode two. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, yeah, so um, just, I, you know, there were some moments in, um, in Lovecraft's work that just sort of embodies that almost a very overt <laughs> racist sort of uh, connotations. So in terms of the, in, uh, you know, they use the Cthulhu mythos, um, thinking of this sort of tentacle creature. Um, and how, how that sort of, um, what it would mean then for that traditional Lovecraft um, image to actually reach out to someone who is black and ask them for their autograph. Um, that, was, that was just um, very new then, you know, to read, to read about. Cool. So, how does it feel to finish an entire season of the podcast? Um, <laughs> I have mixed feelings. I mean, I was really, I was, I was just on the schedule, and I was just like, I was just nailing it. You know, I, I, I do like biweekly episodes, so I know exactly. Okay, by this day on the biweekly week, I need to have my thing ready. So I was very structured in that way. Um, I need to edit by a certain day, and if it gets too late. I know I'm going to be rushing, so I need to set it earlier. Um, so I like I release episodes on bi-weekly Fridays, um, and I usually try to get that episode done on on the Monday before that particular Friday. So I really enjoyed the scheduling, um, but so I kind of miss that, you know, I miss that part. Um, but I feel I do feel 
I do feel relaxed that I don't have to, you know, be on that schedule at least for a month. I'm taking just a month off, although technically I'm not really taking a break because I have like special episodes and I'm doing, um, for, for example, I have something coming out this week, um, a science fiction writer from the US. So, you know, I'm just doing these special episodes. Um, so, but I have taken a break from the main the main, the core aspect of the of the podcast, which is Caribbean science fiction. Um, so it feels, I feel, I feel like I'm missing the scheduling aspect of it, but I do feel like I can breathe now. You know, I can have a, I can relax. I don't have to be rushing around or, you know, just, I can, I can take my time, you know. Um, I've been, I have been interviewing writers though during this time, so I haven't quite taken a break in a sense. Um, so I'm just ready. I'm just preparing for season two. Um, I'm just really looking forward to it. I, I mean, I, I I enjoy it. It's not, even though I mentioned the scheduling aspect, I mean, I enjoy the work. I I, I actually, I like it. You know, I, I feel like I'm doing something good. Um, I'm giving people a, a platform to share their work. Um, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm just, I, I'll see where it goes, but, it doesn't feel like it doesn't really feel like a job for me, you know. And and you know, I'm sure you can say the same. Um, sure, yeah. So, I'm doing this for fun, yeah. you know. This isn't. <laughs> it takes. I, you're doing bi-weekly. I'm doing three times a week when I get, which is yeah. crazy because I also have a yeah. life and three kids and a job. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. So, uh, but yeah, I'm doing this because it's interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. So um yeah so I'm just gonna you know I'm just I'm just waiting you know I'm I've set next year January I'm gonna kickstart season two but you know if I need to take more time I'm gonna take more time I'm just gonna see I'm yeah. just gonna feel it out and then decide what happens then yeah but but you know it's it's been going great man it's been going so good I'm really enjoying it um and I hope everyone I hope everyone I I think everyone is enjoying it too but um I do hope. I do hope everyone is enjoying it. <laughs> That's amazing. Where yeah. can people find you? Um, so, I mean, the question is, where can't you find me? <laughs> um, I, so, you know, for, you can you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's Caribbean SFNet. It's the same handle, mm-hmm. all three platforms. Um, Caribbean SFNET. Um, streaming on you know, people say wherever you get your podcasts, you can find me wherever you get, you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor.fm. It's I can just it's it's just so many platforms. Um Podchaser, so many. Um, but definitely I think the main uh point of contact you should definitely check out at least the Twitter page. Um I'm much more active there. Um, so you can follow, you can follow me on Twitter um, for all the updates and, you know, just, just let me know if you, you know, feel free to drop a rating I, on, on the, the Apple podcasts um, uh, rating and review platform and just let me know how it's going. Um, I, I really like feedback. There's also a blog website that you can check out Caribbean sci-fi um, uh, wordpress.com. So you can also check that out. Um, and and yeah, just just I'm I'm really open to feedback. Like I said, I, I only started the, earlier this year in June, so it's completely new to me. Um, and 
I'm still figuring out certain things. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out like certain web platforms, what might be the best thing for editing. So, you know, anyone listening, let me know. Let me know what you think. Um, and if you have any recommendations as well, if you want someone to be featured, drop their drop their handle and I'll reach out to them. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, I, I have the same thing. If people, you know, <laughs> want to suggest guests, give me guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. I found you on Twitter, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Instagram isn't that, I'm not as active on Instagram because it's not as, it's not as engaging, I find, as Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. But but definitely I'm there too if you're not on Twitter, so you can also, um, anyone listening, you can also reach out to me there. Thank you so much to Joel. That was truly enlightening. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. In the show notes, you'll find all the links he was talking about, his website, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, etc. And you can find him in the Caribbean Science Fiction Network podcast. Now, next time, because there's always a next time, there are always more geeks in the world. So next time, we talk to a person who handles the business aspect of comics in a fascinating conversation about how comic book creators can get more rights and what the future of comic books looks like. Come back for that. What did you think about this episode? Email me at guy.hasson, that's H-A-S-O-N, at geekdomimpals.com. The website is geekdomimpals.com on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're at geekdomimpals, and now episodes are still being uploaded daily to our YouTube, so check that out. It is much, as fun as it is to uh, listen to this, it is much better to see it. Now, if you want to check out my other podcast, it's a daily podcast, a daily fantasy podcast called The Squash Buckler Diaries. It's an experiment in epic fantasy. Feel free to check it out, The Squash Buckler Diaries. I will see you next time. And for now, have an empowered day.